Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the next two hours live on the air before we go into the one hour after show. Uh, we have a lot to cover uh, this evening. We have the baseball season officially upon us. We got the semifinals of March Madness, where we already know one team that will be in the title game with Baylor advancing over Houston in a complete blowout earlier today. And currently we have, well, the makings of a potential upset with UCLA currently leading Gonzaga. Granted, it's only by a point, but UCLA has led the past couple of minutes ever since, ever since Gonzaga, quite frankly, just hasn't been able to get things going like they usually have. Uh, we also have the NHL trade deadline to talk about. There's a couple of names being floated around out there that maybe there might be uh, there might be some interest in, uh, plus a whole lot more to get into. So if you want to call in and join us, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Like I said, we will be live on the air for the next two hours before we go into the special hour after show. Uh, and a reminder to those who may uh, tune into the Missy AE podcast. Uh, obviously, last week or this past week, we didn't have any Survivor Memories or Big Brother Memories podcast. Uh, we may be returning to that this week. I have not been told yet specifically what day we will be returning, but uh, stay tuned to our schedule on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. Uh, as once once I find out, you know, what we're going to be doing next, uh, I will put that up on our schedule. Uh, let me bring in Lou. Uh, Lou, th- uh, thank you for calling in tonight. Uh, Steve, how I missed are you? you last, last week. Birthday celebration. Uh, yeah, I, I, fig- I figured there was, some, there was something going on, either uh, either something personal or maybe, uh, maybe your other show uh, – your other show had had started earlier than normal, uh, but no, no, we had, no. I did my show first, but then we had uh, dinner for our birthday celebration because my birthday was the previous night before that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's great to have you back on. Uh, on I see tonight. that, and uh, believe me, Steve, yeah, I wasn't you know I wasn't going anywhere. Oh no, no, I. I, no, I wasn't. No. I wasn't thinking that at all. I was just kind of surprised. I was, you know, I was going on and on last week, and I'm like, I'm saying to myself, well, as I'm talking, I'm like, where the hell is he? Because normally, if you don't call in the first hour, if you don't call in the first hour, normally you're you're calling in by the second hour. So right. there I am, basically talking, basically talking to myself, you know, the whole first hour, and then I, as mm. the second hour goes on, I'm like, okay, okay, at some point he's gonna call in here. Uh, luckily, JB did join me for the third hour, uh, but oh, it was good. yeah, it was uh, very interesting. I've never actually had to call a full two-hour show by myself. Uh, 
So uh, that was. I had one. I had did one show at a subbing. I only had two calls that were nice. Back in my sub yeah, days. Yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, it was it was it was a very interesting week last week. Uh, yeah. Well, quite frankly, you know, it was a very interesting week this week too. I wasn't sure. Kind of think uh, of it. I didn't think you were going to be on tonight. Yeah, I know there was a lot of um, there was a lot of personal stuff actually that came up uh, this past week. That well, no, I was referring I was, to since tomorrow is Easter. I didn't think you were going to be on tonight. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, no. I, I was definitely. I, uh, I if I wasn't going to be on tonight, it wasn't going to be because of Easter. Um, uh, okay. But I, yeah, I went through a lot of uh, a lot of personal stuff this week. Uh, we just lost. The uh, family dog and stuff. Oh no! And yeah, it it was a uh, it's been a it's been a uncomfortable past two mm. days uh, yeah. having to deal with the loss of uh, a dog that we've had for like the past nine to ten years. So oh wow! Um, and the thing is, the thing that sucks is it it, it all happened, you know, like within the matter of. 24 hours actually that oh, his condition oh. started worsening. Um, See. You know, he for, first at first he uh, he he couldn't keep any food down, or not just food. He couldn't keep any water down. Uh, then oh. he started he started losing control of his uh, uh, of his bladder and everything, and it was just it, it was very obvious to me that he was suffering so uh we yeah. decided to we decided to put him down uh thursday yeah. um that and then i had a whole bunch of problems at work too but that's an entirely different story mm, uh, right. that all took place on the same day so yeah needless to say thursday wasn't the best day for me um yeah but yeah, you know, I was kind of figuring, uh, kind of contemplating myself last night, you know, before I made this uh, podcast night, whether or not I was going to do the show or not, or right. if I was just going to take the, if I was going to take the week off. Uh, Lou, one thing, uh, one thing to know, uh, usually I do have the show up by, uh, by at least the afternoon. On right. on Saturdays, there's there's some cases there's some cases where maybe I completely black out Friday night and I don't have the chance to put it up, uh, but mm-hmm. I end up putting it up on 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 Saturday the following Saturday I afternoon. Always check. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's the thing. If I if you check on Saturday afternoon and it's not I, up, chances are we're probably not having a show. So right, um, I'll keep that in mind. But I. Yeah, but I always try to have it up at least by uh, by Friday uh, by Friday right. evening, uh, at the very least. Uh, but you know, we got what, a game here. We got what? we we got a game here now, man. Yeah, I know. I I was about I was about to say, you know, let's dive into March Madness here because yeah, uh, it's looking very uncharacteristic like of Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga is having so much trouble against UCLA right now. It's kind of making me wonder. You know, is is Gonzaga is did Gonzaga come into this a little overconfident, or are we undervaluing? Yes. Are we undervaluing the type of team that UCLA is? 
because I've always you see how I've said right that now. because I've said because I don't think UCLA should be you know ranked that low. I think they don't deserve to be ranked 11th seed. I think it's very misleading. I mean, and to call them an underdog, no, no, UCLA is definitely not an underdog. This is a, you know, this is UCLA for crying out loud. They're the they're the most respected team in all college basketball. To call them an underdog is crazy. Yeah, you know, I uh, we talked we talked about this uh, two weeks ago actually that UCLA. Yes you know, deserve to be ranked higher than where they actually, where they actually ended up being ranked. And the fact that they got past Michigan, I mean, completely stunned. Well, it, first off, it completely stunned me that they got, ba- they got past Alabama, but once they got past Michigan, I'm like, okay, that just means, you know, they meet up against Gonzaga and they're mm-hmm. going to get absolutely destroyed because the line was 14 points for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And right now, Gonzaga trails by four. Yeah. With about six and a half minutes to go in the first half. So make it, it it's still four. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering here if maybe perhaps Gonzaga came in a little too overconfident or, or have mm-hmm. we just undervalued UCLA during this whole tournament? Oh, we under we underestimate UCLA. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because right now it it it, it just it just seems it seems like out of all the potential matchups that Gonzaga could have had for the semifinals here, this is probably the worst or the, or this on paper was the best matchup that they could have possibly had. But, I mean, this is going to be a bigger upset than when UConn. Yeah. Uh, UConn over Baylor, right? Earlier, uh, earlier was it earlier today or or last night? No, 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 no. Back when they won the championship, when nobody, when they only finished with an eight and eight conference record, and they still managed to win the championship. So this might even be, even maybe be a bigger upset. Oh, that is, yeah. You know what? That may actually be possible. What what seed was UConn that year? UConn was rather low. UConn, I think, was like nine or ten. Well, yeah, this would be a bigger upset then because UCLA is ranked 11th. So Yeah, I mean, UCLA finished with an 8-8 conference record that year. Uh, their overall record was good, but they won the biggest tournament. And nobody was even thinking they were going to even get close to winning in the, the tournament. But surprise, surprise, they did. And UCLA actually has been – they've been carried – well, I shouldn't say carried, but, you know, a lot of their – a lot of their offense has come from the from their best player Juzang, where when he got injured in the game against Michigan in the in the late stages, you know he yes. he came hobbling off the court and everybody was wondering could this potentially be the thing that co- the the injury that cost UCLA uh, their shot at the Final Four here because. Yeah. I, from, from what we saw Juzang off of the court, UCLA just wasn't the same wasn't the same type of a uh, type of team as opposed to with him on the court. And mm-hmm. you know, so far it, it doesn't seem like he's he's suffering any lingering effects from that injury that that he uh, that he had late last no. week. No, and. 
I mean, just to, just taking a look at at his at his stat line so far tonight, shooting three of four, two of three from three. He has two rebounds, eight points. So basically, he's on track to put up the usual numbers that we normally see out of him. And looking over looking over at Gonzaga, Ayayi so far has been the I... point getter, a perfect five for five from the field, 13 points, two rebounds. However, he does have two personal fouls against himself as well. And Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy has been uh, the second best for Gonzaga with six points on two for three shooting. So, I mean, Uh clearly, you know, this game, this game is definitely far from over, but as actually UCLA has now risen their lead up to six, I believe with I believe Gonzaga at the line here, you know it. It it, it just really may it, it really makes me wonder if we're perhaps in uh, you know getting set here for for a major upset because considering how considering how past games yeah. have gone in this tournament, usually if you're leading at the half there's a pretty good chance that you hang on to that lead. Yeah. With the, with, there have been some games where, you know, there's been a comeback, but it, it just, with Gonzaga still hanging around here though, it, it kind of makes me, it kind of makes me wonder if perhaps Gonzaga can still, can still sneak one out by the end of it, by the end of this, because, yeah, obviously there's going to be there's going to be adjusts that are going to be made at the half. I mean, you can't. Oh, wow, oh I wouldn't doubt floater. it. What a floater by UCLA oh, just now. Great. Uh, you know, it just you you have to think, and you know, like I said about Ju Zhang, now he's up to twelve points. Uh, you you just gotta think that UCLA can't possibly keep up this uh, this tempo for the entire game. Ooh. No, I don't think so. And rattles in. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm just mind blown so far from from what we've seen tonight oh, and and also from the previous game Baylor. With a seventy-eight to fifty-nine blowout yeah. over Houston, you know Houston being touted as one of the top defensive teams in this tournament, and yet they put up, they they gave up. I believe it was forty. Hang on, I need I need to I need to check the game cast. I believe right. it was forty-eight points within the first. No, actually forty-five points within the first half. It's the most yeah. points that they had given up in a half all season long. And this is a team that was most notably known for their defense. And yeah, it's, it's a funny story. They actually right. put up a whole bunch of, uh, they covered the hoop during practice with a whole bunch, with a bumpy surface so that, you know, they could practice on getting rebounds and all that and all that stuff. When yet, they probably they probably should have been focusing more on their shots and less on the rebounds because they still got out rebounded by uh by Baylor and 
Baylor just yeah. couldn't miss at all today. No. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on the earlier game today, Lou? Because from what the line, from what the betting line looked like, from what the betting line looked like, though, it looked like this was supposed to be a much closer game as they only gave Baylor four, a, yeah. a four-point advantage. It wasn't exactly what I, what I thought it was going to be. Then again, when I usually make the predictions, it usually goes out the opposite. So why should I be surprised by that? You know, everyone was thinking it was going to be a close game. I thought it was going to be a close game. Of course, it turned out to be the opposite. What a surprise. So I had such high hopes for a more competitive game. This I did not expect to see a competitive game. I thought UCLA was going to really take him. I mean, you know, I mean, Gonzaga was going to take him, you know, in hopes for the undefeated season. So I was thinking that. But now the season being in jeopardy. Because I also think, oh, well, how, le- how much less, how much do you think, you know, a team that's riding on a perfect season has enough gas left in the tank? You know, you, you might start to be, you know, running low at this point. You know, you're almost there because the same thing happened 30 years ago with UNLV. That's a, that's a very good point. And actually, uh, you could kind of equate this a little bit to the New England Patriots back in 2010, you know, when yeah. they were riding the perfect season uh, all the way until they lost the Super Bowl to the New York Giants. You know, right. a, lot of, a lot of people were wondering, you know, can they – can they do? Can they do it one last time and secure the perfect nineteen and zero? I mean, in this case, it would be two more times for Gonzaga. But yes, it, I don't know if it's more of gas in the tank, but more of the fact that Gonzaga has just beaten their opponents handily and have gotten yeah. all the calls from all the reps every single game that they've played. It just kind of, and I mean, taking a look at what we're seeing here, you know, Bernard is in foul trouble, Jacquez Jr. and Campbell are in foul trouble for UCLA. Gonzaga only Ayayi and I think uh, I think the other name was Watson uh, yeah. are in trouble for as far as fouls go. So you know, they're still kind of they're still kind of getting a little bit of the rub. If, uh, as as wrestling fans call it, the rub from uh, the, yeah from the referees, the rub from from the referees to where the referees yes. call, uh, the advantage goes to Gonzaga, uh, but it, I think in all honesty, it, uh, from what I've seen out of this game so far, UCLA has just been more hungry. They've been they've been yeah. uh, all over the uh, the the interior when it comes to the rebounds, you know. And out of all the skirmishes Ooh. that they've ha- that they've had as well, you yeah. know they they've just they've just gutted out all of the uh, all of the Ooh. rebound uh, yeah. battles that they've had. Yeah. And. You know, I was looking at the uh, at the box score for Houston against Baylor earlier today, and the the biggest thing I noticed is that Houston they got absolutely no production out of their bench, with the exception of like three players. Uh, actually, two of their players only played substantial amounts of time off the bench. Uh, that was Mark and uh, and White Jr. F- Fabian White Jr. and uh, Traymon Mark. Right. 
uh, each played 18 to 20 minutes off of the bench, and they only scored like four points apiece. Meanwhile, you got Baylor. uh, You got Baylor two players in double digits with a third one close to it. Uh, Jonathan Tachamwa Tachua, hopefully I said that correctly, uh, with 11 points in 21 minutes off the bench. You got Adam Flagler with seven points in 23 minutes. Hugh Mayer with uh, 12 points in 19 minutes off the bench. So it's like the production was more spread out over uh, when 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 it comes to Baylor. And to the point of where they actually were ahead by quite a decent margin to where they could, they could actually give some of their players some rest to build up towards the, uh, you know, to, to build up towards the, uh, the NCAA title game, because it, it was just Houston. I, th- I think if anything, they practiced the wrong uh, the wrong thing that they needed to practice. Instead of practicing on rebounds, yeah. they should have been practicing on their defense and their shooting. Because I mean, taking a look at some of these numbers here, ouch! Fourteen for t- or I mean four <laughs> for twelve shooting, three for ten shooting, uh, seven of fourteen. I mean, t- just taking a look actually at the number of shots that were taken. Baylor basically only made eight more shots compared to Houston. Each team, both teams shot 55 times. Yes. And just looking at the, at the mind boggling numbers, Baylor shot 11 of 24 from point range and Houston only six of 19. I mean, that's the major difference that we're looking at here is the fact that that is Baylor. Uh, regardless, regardless of who's making the shot, they are just lethal from the uh, from the perimeter. Yeah. And uh, looking here, UCLA with a four point lead, thirty eight thirty four, with about two forty six to go here, and. Obviously, you know, if if Gonzaga somehow ends up pulling this out, obviously there's a whole bunch of people that have Gonzaga in their brackets. I'll tell you right now, I'm in the top three in my league right now for uh, for oh. March Madness. If I end up if if Gonzaga ends up losing tonight, two of us are eliminated. We uh, will have yeah. a winner before the uh, before the finals are even done. So, two of uh, in order in order for all three of us to move into the uh, to 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 wait uh, to wait for a winner on Monday, we yeah. basically have to hope that Gonzaga ends up pulling this out. Otherwise, we'll probably have a winner tonight when it comes to uh, when it comes to the sports oh, uh, March Madness bracket. Yeah. But just going back to last week here, from some of the games that that took place, like I said, I was still stunned that Michigan and that UCLA somehow got past Michigan, fifty-one to forty-nine. 
And yeah. it was, I mean, it, it came all the way down to the wire for the most part. But one of the biggest pet peeves I had in that whole game is if you're Michigan, and this is sort of reminiscent of the Boston Celtics a couple of weeks ago. If you're Michigan, you have the ball with, I think, what was it, 8 to 15 seconds, somewhere around there. Something like uh, that, yeah. And you have a wide open three. Why the hell are you having one of your big men taking the shot? Yeah. Because, I mean, let's let's face it. The first off, the shot didn't even hit the rim. It, it would have been – or actually, it was a 24-second violation, basically. Because uh, uh-huh. it didn't hit the rim. And it was a wide three. That would have given them the win with uh, barely any time left on the clock for UCLA to make a play. And, you know, they had, they had a, good, a good look on the final shot. But once again, the biggest problem, who did they give it to? They gave it to their big man to take the shot again. I don't know why he would do that. It was just very confusing to me. I mean, this time at least he hit the rim, but uh, it, it was sort of it sort of reminded me actually of the Daniel Tice uh, three point attempt that he made in his final shot attempt with the Boston Celtics before he got traded to uh, to Chicago last yeah. week. Um, you know, it, I, I, ju- I just I just sort of feel that. Uh, Michigan basically let that game slip away from them because kind of kind of what we were touching on a little bit earlier here, Michigan may have potentially uh, slept on UCLA basically. Just based off of what, uh, based off of how they handled that game. And then you had Houston uh, eliminating Oregon State 67-61. Going over to the uh, going over to the uh, to the south and the west, you had Baylor over Arkansas, eighty-one to seventy-two. I mean, just in, in that game, there were just way too many turnovers. I mean, it, you yeah. know, I, I ended up having to watch this game on uh, the very next day. I had to watch it the very next day because I fell asleep at the half, um, or right before the half, actually, but there were just way too many turnovers. And when it came to Arkansas, you know, they just, they had so many shooters. They had so many shooters attempting three pointers who weren't three point shooters. And that, that was probably one of their biggest downfalls of that, of that whole game. And you know, I hear another thing here. Like I like I had mentioned uh, how I mentioned previously with UCLA from what we just saw here from Clark, uh, the hustle in getting the rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. He just he just pounces right in there off of the second rebound attempt and grabs it and and he ends up getting the foul here. You know that's probably one of the biggest differences that we've seen out of UCLA compared to what we compared to what we've seen out of Gonzaga so far tonight. I mean, you take, you, you take a look at, at uh, Gonzaga's road to the final four here, a blowout win over Norfolk state, 
a blowout win over Oklahoma, a blowout win over Creighton, and a blowout win over USC. So, you know, it, it, it's no wonder why uh, Vegas odds makers, when this, when this game came out on the, uh, on the books, that Gonzaga, they gave Gonzaga a 14-point cushion. It was uh, hang on. If it if it was Michigan, for example, you know, it probably would have been closer compared to compared to what we ended up getting here. But I mean, a fourteen point cushion. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope I hope uh, I hope whoever was betting on this game took UCLA for the. Uh, when it when it comes to the uh, to the point spread, because so far it looks like they're probably going to make a whole lot of money off off of this uh, off of this one game because of that. No, he doesn't. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, this just came up. Let's talk about Roy Williams. Uh, since oh since yeah, his, uh, well deserved. Since, since he was just the. Uh, he was just put up over the uh, over the television screen here. Let's talk about Roy Williams, yep. one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. Announced Amen. his retirement this week after 33 seasons as a head coach in in uh, in college basketball. 70 years old. He's been at, he yeah. has been at North Carolina since 2003. Won three NCAA titles during his 18 seasons with the Tar Heels. Uh, one in 2005, one in 2009, and one in 2017. Uh, before that, he was the head coach at Kansas from 1988 to 2003. Right. Now, and he has not announced the specific reason for his retirement. Uh, he sure. he addressed the media actually at a news conference uh, Thursday afternoon. But I mean, you take you take a look at, at who he's coached throughout his career uh, at uh, at North Carolina, coaching or n- not North Carolina, but North Carolina and Kansas, coaching the likes anywhere from Paul Pierce to Harrison Barnes and many other players. Harrison Barnes and overall. Well, yeah, I know. You know, I know, I know he's not. Uh, you know he's not on the same level as somebody like Paul Pierce, but I'll say. I mean, you take a look at, at his overall record at UNC was four hundred and eighty-five and one sixty-three. Yes, reaching the Final Four with the Tar Heels six times, and capturing nine ACC regular season titles. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield back in 2007. As a college coach, total, he's racked up 903 wins during his 33 seasons in the league, which puts him third all-time on the wins list by a Division I head coach. Yeah. I mean, this is... You know, this is a bomb. This was a bombshell announcement when right. uh, when this came out, and you know, it it kind of makes me wonder. You know, why would he retire 
coming off of a round of 64 loss. I, it's it's sort yeah. of like you wouldn't want to go out like that if no, I know I wouldn't. You know, if if that's going to be if this was going to be your final season, you don't want to go out like that. No, absolutely not. But what 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 were your thoughts, Lou, when you when you first heard that uh that Roy Williams was gonna be uh was gonna be retiring? Honestly, I didn't see that coming really. I didn't think, you know, that he was gonna retire. But I I guess he gets he just took the loss too personally. I guess he figured, well, I've done all I can do, it's time for me to fly. You know, I mean seventy years old, you know, it's not that young anymore and you know, I guess he figures he's running out of time. But still, I don't think that would be the right way to go. I know I wouldn't want to feel like that would happen to me. But, you know, he he, did, he has his record, though. I mean, he's done a lot, you know, for um, UC, for North Carolina and Kansas as well. So I think, you know, that although he didn't go with a bang, I mean, I think it's well-deserved. He, he's earned it. And, you know, wish him the best. I mean, there's... There's not too many coaches like Williams out there now, and uh, you know I don't think there I don't think there will be at least in this generation. So while it does you know think like okay why this happened, I think I can understand why he decided to uh, call it quits. Now you take a look at who could be the potential next basketball coach uh, for UNC. There's some interesting names out there on the uh, when it comes to the betting odds. You got Hubert Davis uh, as the as the betting favorite right now at even Hubert odds. Davis. Hubert Davis, former Knicks player. Yeah, and also a former Tar Heel as well. That's no, that's, that's he's, right. Uh, he's currently he's currently uh, their assistant coach right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You also right behind right behind him you have uh, Wes Miller at uh, yeah. at two hundred. You got Jerry Stackhouse at seven hundred. Ah. Uh, I believe I like believe that. he's the head coach of he's the head coach of Vanderbilt. I think. Yes, although that's not much of a school for basketball. Hmm. Uh, you got like Tony Bennett. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bennett. You got Tony Bennett at 900. You got Jay Wright at tw- at, at uh, 1200. Uh, he was with Lu- I think he's with Louisiana right now. Uh, yes. you got I always thought Tony Bennett would leave his stuff in, but I always thought that Tony Bennett would leave his stuff in San Francisco. Oh, 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 wrong Tony Bennett. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, you got know, you got. I thought I, I I was I, you know when that when that first name thought uh, came up I was thinking the singer also. Um, I love my basketball in San Francisco. Oh no! Please. <laughs> uh, you that got was the B side. The uh, Nate Oates, the current Alabama coach at fourteen hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scott Scott Drew at fifteen hundred, who actually is the current coach, I believe, of Baylor. Yes. Uh. You got Steve Robinson at eighteen hundred. He's currently one of the assistant coaches at North Carolina. Uh, Bill Self at twenty five hundred, currently with Kansas. Well, I think he's, he's, out, he's out of it. He's signed a long, he's yeah. out. He signed a long, he signed a lifetime contract with Kansas. He's not going anywhere. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna say you got him at twenty five hundred, but I think you can rule him out because he just signed uh, that lifetime deal, uh, and we'll get to we'll get to that in just a second. But a very yeah. interesting name here uh, at the end of the pack. You have mm-hmm. Celtics coach Brad Stevens at three thousand. Uh huh. And I know, I know there was uh, there was talk about him potentially going to uh, potentially going to the Hoosiers and stuff like that, which that never panned uh-huh. out. But apparently, there is a little more smoke behind uh, him potentially going to North Carolina because he is sure. a North Carolina alumnus. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. He's a North Carolina alumnus, and also just judging from all the turmoil that's going on in the Boston Celtics organization right now, I know he said that he was committed to staying with the Celtics, but if he goes to North Carolina, he's probably getting a lifetime contract. I don't know if I'd say Boston Celtics are in a turmoil. I mean, they're still in contention for a playoff spot, so I think it's jumping the gun a little bit. I mean, they are, but, you know, there's been games where they basically have been looking like they, that they've lost, the, that the coach has completely lost them, basically. Right, okay. You know, to where players are going are gonna to look out for their own interests in regard, uh, instead, of, instead of the team's interests, essentially. Yes. I mean, that, you know, there's been some games where they just haven't been motivated at all. Oh, you know what? That's another coach, actually, uh, another coach candidate from who we're seeing right now on TV, Kenny the Jet Smith. He uh, is also on the ah. list of potential candidates. Hmm. But with Brad Stevens, you know, I just – I can see where there would be more job security in college because – I mean, when you have a spot, uh, a highly coveted spot like North Carolina, you know, obviously are going to be clamoring to take that spot. But I kind of don't know, though, because I I, I think it would all depend on, you know, once you you jump from, from the NBA back to college, you're pretty much done with any prospects you have in the NBA. Of ever yeah. going back to the NBA, and I mean, there's a reason why Rick Pitino never went back to the NBA to the NBA after he left the Celtics. Right. So, you know, I just don't. I mean, obviously, I guess his name is is going to come up in every single one of these uh, potential big name coaching spots. You know, once they. Uh, once big name university is in need of a new coach, Brad Stevens' name is always going to be connected, I guess. But I understand because of the fact that he's a North Carolina alumnus that he would get put up there. But I just, honestly, I don't see it happening. The only way I see it happening, the only way I would see it happening is if he doesn't want to go through a rebuild with Boston. Which is entirely possible because keep in mind, Boston, they have an incompetent general manager in Danny Ainge 
who is gun shy now all of a sudden uh I'm making potential mm. big moves I mean it's the reason it's the, it's the reason why we saw Doc Rivers leave Boston yes yes because he had less he he ended up having less uh less control over the team and Danny Ainge basically was uh was the number one guy there as as his uh as his time in the organization grew on as an executive mm. so i could kind of it, it's only from that perspective that i could kind of see Brad Stevens making that jump but unless they're going to somehow unless North Carolina is going to somehow match his contract or exceed the amount of money that he's making with the Celtics. I just don't see it happening. No. Unless the Celtics end up flat out firing Stevens, which at this point, I don't see that happening either, even though they're having a bad season so far. Um, but going back to Bill Self, he did just sign a lifetime contract with Kansas, guaranteeing him millions of dollars and protection from being fired over the current NCAA probe that's going on into into Kansas. Right. Uh, Self has been at Kansas since 2003, and he was entering the final year of a 10-year deal with Kansas that guaranteed him more than $50 million. Now, that deal was going to expire more than fifty million, Lou. Yeah, I know. You said I'm just, I'm just uh, having t- trouble digesting that. Fifty million dollars, gigantic. Uh, and the the yeah. deal was set to expire. This year, the deal was set to expire at the end of the 2021-2022 season. But Self has crushed it during his time with the Jayhawks, racking up a 522 and 118 record with an NCAA title back in 2008. So the school decided to make him a lifetime offer that he couldn't refuse. So basically, in this exactly. lifetime deal, he will make roughly $5.4 million every year with an annual $200,000 raise. The contract is technically a five-year deal, which will automatically renew a one-year extension at the end of each season for as long as he wants to stay at Kansas. Now, it's funny that right. this is that that this comes up, considering the fact that uh, with with the type of um, the type of investigation they're currently undergoing, uh, that they're currently the subjects of, this investigation could potentially lead to a firing of a head coach. Yeah. From uh, it's as it says here, they're currently being investigated for alleged unauthorized payments to star players. Uh, the NCAA has charged the school with a handful of level one violations, but the organization has not formally punished uh, the university. But and here's the here's the kicker here: self negotiated a clause in which he could not be fired for cause based on the findings or punishment from the current probe, but he could take a salary hit if he's suspended. So per the contract, if the NCAA suspends self, 
he'll take a 50% reduction in salary for the time missed. So in other words, if he's out for a month, he'll make 50% for that month for the time missed or, or, or before, before uh, returning to his full salary. However, the school can fire self for cause if they determine that he violates the law or the NCAA rules moving forward, but he's right. protected in the scope of the current investigation. Now, to me, in this investigate, uh, from this investigation, that basically tells me that he's guilty of whatever they're investigating them for right now. Because otherwise, otherwise, why do you put that type of clause into the deal? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, to me, you're basically you're basically admitting guilt. Yes, it's written all over him. But hell, you know, five point four million, and you're going to get a. $200,000 raise each year after that. So basically he's going to make, considering they said it's like a one-year deal or, or it's, 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 it's technically a five-year deal with uh, one-year contract extensions uh, every year after the five years, basically he'll be making, at the end of the five years, he'll be making about $6.4 million per year moving forward after that. And I mean, you know, for the re- for for the record that he's put at Kansas, you know, it's it's definitely worthwhile to you know to keep somebody around that you know is going to end up uh, putting out more and more of these uh, you know of these teams. And the fact that he's uh, that he's been able to recruit so many so many players over the years. I mean, there's a reason why he has that record. Here's an interesting stat here. UCL, this is from the UCLA-Gonzaga game. UCLA is shooting, is shooting 57% from three-point range, 58% from the floor. They only turned the ball over five times, scored PP, whatever the hell that is. And they're losing at halftime by one point. Mm. That just shows you how, tight, how tightly contested. It just shows you how yeah. tightly contested this game is. This basically tells me that Gonzaga is performing at their regular level. The main thing is, is that they just haven't faced a good enough quality of opponents leading up to this because if they did their scores would have been much tighter than than the blowouts that they uh that they turned out to be but you're that you're looking at 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 ucla with these numbers currently through through one half and the fact that they're only down by one yes i mean that pretty much tells you that gonzaga this is easily Gonzaga's toughest challenge that they face in this tournament so far. Yeah. Uh, 
Let's see. You know, let's we'll we'll obviously go back to uh, go back to college uh, once once we get more out of this uh, out of this second half. Yeah, that's about to start any minute now. Uh, by the way, uh, for fans that are wondering, the national title game will be at nine twenty on Monday night. Yep. Kind of makes me wonder why the hell did they have it at nine at nine twenty? It just seems like such an odd time. Well, you know, all the pregame uh, rituals before they uh, actually do the tip-off. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, usually when you see basketball games, you know, they start at 7, 730, 830, you know, depending on the time zone. You know, you're getting people having having uh, either watching, uh, either e- eating dinner or just finished eating dinner uh, around that time over on the West Coast. And, you know, obviously they would be tuning in. But I, I, I guess it, it just seems like such an odd time frame for them to start at 11.20, or I mean for them to start at 9.20. If it was 11.20, we'd all be in trouble. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said. Although, well, think of all, but think of the people in Alaska and Hawaii, though. It's kind of weird for them too, because that's still in the afternoon. True. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they would. It would still be in the afternoon for them. I mean, it's it's such a big, uh, such a big difference. Yes. Oh, you know what? Let's go into hockey, actually, because there is a very yeah. interesting attendee at the Sharks and Kings game this evening. Uh, the, Bruins, the Bruins executive director of player personnel, John Ferguson, who he basically, he basically does the same role that Nick Casario did with the New England Patriots. Basically in charge of basically he's in charge of contracts and stuff like that. That's what you know. Obviously the director of player personnel is. Uh, right. Kind of makes me wonder if maybe the Bruins are potentially looking at Dustin Brown of the L.A. Kings mm. for a potential add-on. Uh, fourteen, 14 goals. Fourteen goals and seven assists. With uh, through 33 games with the Kings, he's a minus one, and I believe he plays on the second line. Which the Bruins they have been looking for an yes. upgrade on the second line uh, over the past couple of years. Now, granted, he is also 36. So, actually, uh, you know what? let me take a look at his contract. I believe it's an expiring contract. Uh, so well, 36 isn't make... only that old, even for hockey, yet. No, but it's you know he's not it, he's he's slower than maybe some of the other. Ooh, you know, right? Okay, he is not he is not an expiring contract actually. Ah, nope, he will be a free agent in the. At the end of the 2022-2023 season, so next year he'll be a free agent. Uh, so he right. is on he is on, uh, on the hook for one more season after this year. 
uh, ooh, I shouldn't say just a cap hit because he, he does have a cap hit of 5.875 mil. That kind of makes me wonder if they're going to if they're going to potentially pick up Dustin Brown. Kind of makes me think that maybe Jake DeBrusque may be involved in a potential deal with uh, with the LA Kings because the Bruins are probably going to have to t- are going to probably have to send salary back uh, headed towards LA's way. And the only thing I can think of is the fact that Jake DeBrusque has gotten off to such a slow start this season that it's, it's, you know, it may, it makes me think that perhaps the Bruins may be going elsewhere because obviously DeBrusque, you know, in, when it comes, when it comes to any other, uh, when it comes to any other season, you know, he would probably like, like, for example, if, if, if he was a free agent after last season, instead of this season, he probably would have been asking for for uh, for more money than what he's currently getting right now. He's probably still going to be asking for a lot of money because of the fact that he's young, and you know this is probably considered to be a down year for him. Uh, but it is just it's kind of interesting, you know, the fact that. The, the director of player personnel is scouting at the at the Sharks and Kings game. And let me check L.A. actually because I want to see if this even makes sense for the Kings to be doing this. The Kings, where are they? Yeah, they're currently in, in seventh place in the Honda West Division. San Jose's in sixth, so maybe – could perhaps Boston be scouting anybody for San Jose? I just I don't see anybody on San Jose's roster that could fit uh on the second line for Boston. Hang on, let me take a look at their team roster cuz they don't need any more centers. So that rules out Couture, that rules out Ryan Donato, that rules out Gambrell and Thomas Hurdle. Maybe could they be looking at a Vander Kane, perhaps? I mean, for a team that's looking to sell, I could possibly see them offloading a Vander Kane, especially with the amount of salary that he uh, that he's putting out there. I believe actually, let me take let me take a look real quick. Vander Kane, I think last I checked, he's making about. Five to six mil, I think. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. He's making seven mil. He's making seven mil, but he's a free agent in 2025. Yeah, you know, I I don't think San Jose is going to sell him. So they 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 have to be looking mm. at that at Dustin Brown potentially from the Kings. That's the only. Uh, the only thing I can think of as to why they would be uh, they would be scouting that game. Yeah, uh, there's also a rumor that uh, Vince Dunn may potentially be on the move from St. Louis, as the Blues mm. apparently want to move on because with Tory Krug coming in this off season, uh, that has put Vince Dunn basically on the outs with with his contract coming up. Uh, right now, 
it looks like as far as far as Dunn goes, uh, there's been rumors that the Bruins have been in on him. There's also rumors that the Flyers have been in on him as well. Also, uh, Bruins have have been uh, basically. It, it, it seems like to me that the Bruins, uh, the Bruins front office, uh, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, they have been under pressure from head coach Bruce Cassidy to add some offensive firepower after Cassidy pretty much uh, subtly called them out like he did at one of his recent press conferences when they got, uh, when they got beat 4-1 to one by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins a couple of days ago. Uh, basically saying that the that the current offense as it is lacked the necessary amount of firepower needed to uh, needed to be a contender. So maybe perhaps you know we may be looking at a potential big move to get a uh, to get a, a second line scorer that they've been looking for for the past couple of years. Uh, ooh. Okay, uh, this is very interesting here. Uh, I'm a, I assume you may have heard about this, Lou. The Vancouver yes. Canucks are involved oh, yeah. heavily with COVID. As a matter of fact, I believe the amount is up to 19 members of the Canucks organization yeah. now. 16 yeah, players, more. three staff members. Of the players that have been listed, uh, the players are as follows. You have Travis Boyd, goaltender Thatcher Demko, who's their starter, uh, Jace Haraluk, Bo Horvat, who is, I believe, their their second-line center, Tyler Tyler Myers, who's a second-line defenseman, uh, Brandon Sutter, they join Alex Edler, who is one of their top defensemen, Adam Gaudet, who's a third line center, Travis Hamanick, a top or a third line defenseman, Braden Holtby, their backup quarter or quarterback, their backup goaltender, Quinn Hughes, their top defenseman, Zach McEwen and Antoine Roussel, both of them are fourth liners are basically calling up multiple AHL players in preparation to uh, to potentially still be able to play without missing games. So basically you're looking at the U- at the Vancouver Canucks becoming the Utica Comets, their AHL affiliate. Utica Comets. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to have a team. You're going to have 14 spots that you're going to have to fill, including both goaltenders. Yeah. Because obviously, obviously, you know, because of the fact that players have either, have either missed out or they've, or, you know, they're going to be missing time uh, due to positive tests or to close contact, you know, they're basically going to be fielding out an AHL team out there for the next couple of, uh, for the next couple of games, at least probably the next two weeks. Well, they're looking to see if uh, they can get something going by the eighth. I mean, they're going to have to do something because, yeah, 
you know, it's and just taking a look at where Vancouver is right now, you know, they're fifth in the Scotia North Division. You know, they may potentially end up having to cancel quite a few of these games if they can't get because keep in mind this is gonna this is probably gonna put their AHL team at quite a bit of a uh, quite a quite a bit yeah. short-handed. The fact that uh, you know you're gonna have so many so many of these players getting called up. I mean, hell, the AHL squad right. has about at, at least I think five or six players. Uh, that are scratched every night. So, assuming you bring up both goaltenders, that means that the AHL squad is probably going to have to call up players from the ECHL. You know, there's a whole bunch of moving parts here. Yeah. You know, because they still still have it where the ECHL is the minor league affiliate of the AHL. The AHL is the minor league affiliate of the NHL. So, it's you know, there's going to be a lot of moving pieces going around here uh, when it comes to to Vancouver trying to trying to make it so that they won't have to miss any games. But I mean, it's you said they're trying to make they're trying to get something done by what the eighth? Yeah, uh, the play game was the eighth because uh, they won't practice until the sixth. So that's what looking for, assuming all goes well. Yeah, I, I assume they're going to have to probably cancel a few or postpone a few of these games because mm. don't see with with the amount of players unless some of these players get cleared. Yeah, which my understanding of it is a lot of the all of these players tested positive, not you know, right. not in terms of uh, of close contact, their actual positive test. So, yes. I mean, it. I think we may have another situation here, like we had in the NFL. You know, where you'll see teams miss a certain amount of games because of the fact that, or you know, games will end up will end up getting moved because of the fact that you know, as you said, they won't be able to practice until at least the sixth. Yeah. So and and we sort of had the Bruins go through this as well earlier this season where they missed I believe it was like three games uh, because of the fact that four of their top players ended up testing positive for COVID or were close contacts and they weren't able to practice for like almost a week basically the whole team yeah. wasn't able to practice for almost a week uh, so. You know, it 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 just it just it just kind of makes you wonder. You know, with the even with the vaccines coming out and everything, yeah. it's obvious this COVID COVID is not going to go away. And actually, it says here yeah. that uh, this is the the new COVID strand that is out the uh, the Brazilian yeah. uh, variant of of COVID here. And actually, let me get the – okay, so the last update that I got here, 
the NHL is now proceeding on the assumption that essentially the whole Canucks team will likely test positive. That's built into the league's planning moving forward, similar to what happened in Dallas earlier this year, where Dallas ended up missing a, a shitload of games to begin the season. Yeah. Uh, it says this is a variant of the virus that the NHL has not seen before and is experiencing for the first time, that being the Brazilian variant of the virus. Uh, the Canucks shutdown will last longer than what was originally announced. They're certainly not playing next week. The league has discussed potential new dates with the Canucks, but the NHL will not announce that for a while. The NHL will very likely have to schedule North Division games from May 11th and likely use most of that buffer week from the 10th to the 14th, where they usually have that break in between. Mm-hmm. Um it does say that may not necessarily delay the playoffs for the three U.S. divisions if they're done by May 11th. It's possible that they start their playoffs while the North Division plays out the last few games of the regular season. Uh, so from what hmm. it sounds like to me, Lou, it sounds like that uh, the playoffs will go based on in, interdivision, basically. So. Right. Like if there's four if there's four playoff teams for each division, like maybe the number one seed will face number two and the number three will face the number four or number one versus right. four and number two versus three. That's what it kind of sounds like to me uh, from what the NHL uh, is planning on doing here with the playoffs. Uh, it also says the NHL currently doesn't see using points percentage to wrap up the standings in the, nor- in the North. There's still confidence that all 56 games will be scheduled and played. Perhaps the NHL does decide one or two games don't have to be played at the end of the season if they end up proving to be meaningless games. Right. So what are your thoughts well, here, Lou? It, it, what, what are your thoughts here? It, it, it kind of seems like – you know, we probably won't. Uh, the folks in Vancouver won't be seeing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hockey for quite some time here. Probably close yeah. to what we saw earlier with Dallas. Right, but the Canucks I don't think are doing that well, so it may not even matter. Mm, no, not really. But keep in mind, this is probably going to throw the entire. Uh, Scotia North. It's going to throw the entire Scotia North division into flux because you still have some Canadian teams that have the Canucks on their schedules left. Yes, and obviously, if those games end up getting postponed, you know they're going to end up having to make them up. So we're you're probably looking at a late start to the playoffs for the North division while everybody else plays. while everybody else starts off their their respectful uh, uh, or their respective uh, kind of divisions playoffs, which seems kind of odd. You know, teams in the playoffs in one and they're not in the other. Because I also heard that they're kind of they maybe going to a bubble system for the playoffs. Of course, they didn't say what it's going to be though. Well, yeah, but. I mean, when you think about it, it is kind of a bubble system right now. When when they're going to have the first round, the first uh, rounds of the playoffs basically be 
you know, the 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 teams inside their divisions matching up against each other. I mean, like, By you know, what they did for the playoffs last year. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, just like, for example, right now, say in the Mass Mutual East Division, you'd have, as the schedule stands <laughs> right now, you'd have the Washington Capitals face the Boston Bruins in the first round and the New York Islanders face the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. And then the winner and then the winners of those two of those two matchups will then face each other in the second round. And then I don't know, third round maybe you'd have maybe you'd have the winner of the Mass Mutual East face the winner of the Scotia North if they do ever end up whenever they end up starting that uh that one. And then you'd have the Honda West face off against the Discover Central. It's very odd because of the fact that there's no East and Western Conference this year. That you know, I exactly it, it it temporary kind of make me temporary, obviously. But it, you know, it kind of it just kind of makes me wonder how exactly they're going to uh, how exactly they're going to do the playoffs this year. You know, it kind of makes me wonder if. Maybe perhaps they may base it off of something like March Madness, where instead of instead of having the number one seed face the number eight seed, you would have you would do it based off of divisional matchups. Hmm. I think I like that. I mean that that's basically what I'm. The gist of what I'm getting here from the uh, from the one piece that I that I had just read. Now there is one team that could perhaps uh, be crippled, I should say, by something that just recently took place earlier this week. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they have lost Aaron Ekblad, their top defenseman, young defenseman, might yeah. I add, for the season. Or well, I shouldn't say for the season. It's he's he's expected to be out for twelve weeks, so three months. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I guess you can kind of say the rest of the season. Uh, you with could a broken le- with a broken leg. Uh, he underwent successful surgery uh, this past week to repair a fracture in his lower extremities. Uh, it, it has been reported that he suffered a leg fracture, but the team the team did choose not to reveal that. Um, he was injured in last Sunday's game against the Dallas Stars, and he was carted off the ice on a stretcher after his left leg was put in a long brace. And I've seen seen the injury, and it looked bad. Gruesome. I mean, yeah, it. it it wasn't it it wasn't good at all it um, you know it kind it kind of it kind of made me uh kind of made me cringe a little bit uh sure. just lo- just looking at the uh i mean hell i'm watching uh i'm wa- i'm watching the replay of it right now and this must have been actually right after 
wait. Hang on. Maybe I maybe I'm wa- maybe I'm watching this wrong. Okay, yeah, here it is. He ended up going Oof. He he ended up doing some he ended up uh going up against the boards after taking a swipe from Lindell of the uh Stars and it kind of makes me wa- what did I say? Was it his left leg? I think you did. Yes. Yeah, you know what? His left the the break had to have been when he made a play on the puck and he sort of it looks like he sort of jumps after after he gets hit by Lindell and when he falls on his left legs it almost looked like the way it was bent it looked like the, it looked like the injury at first i thought it was to his knee but it kind of it kind of it kind of looks like based off of the replay that the uh that his leg kind of buckled basically I mean, it's it's no wonder that he's that he's out for for twelve months here. And I mean, look, just just looking at his stats, you know, he's very easily he he's been very easily one of the uh, one of the top players. And actually, yeah, I just looked at CBS Sports. He is done officially for the season. Maybe mm. there's a potential he could return for the playoffs, but Florida would have to go on a very deep run for that to happen. Uh, he finishes the season with 11 goals, 11 assists for 22 points, and he was a plus five. Uh, land basically netting 10, 10.9% of his shots. Uh, counted for goals uh, this season, and actually, this is probably it's probably the best goal total that he's had in two years uh, since he scored 13, 13 goals back in twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. Uh, but this is his lowest point total he's had since the twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season, where he only put up twenty one points. Uh, so I mean, this is needless to say, with him being on their top defensive line, it's it's a they're very lucky that they uh, that they didn't let go of uh, of some of their uh, you know some of their defensive players like uh, Keith Yandel, I believe uh, they were looking at potentially shopping because of the fact that you know he just had a he had a horrendous contract. And he wasn't performing up to the standards of it, but now it looks like he's basically going to be forced to play in Florida now. Especially, out, they're going to be forced to playing him to 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 continue playing him following this Ekblad injury. But you know, looking at where they stand right now, they're currently tied with the Tampa Bay Lightning for the for the top record in uh, the Discover Central Division, 54 points. Uh, the only reason why Tampa Bay is ahead is because they have a better uh, a better win percentage. But they both have 54 points, so Florida is still firmly in a playoff spot. They're at least 13 points ahead of fourth-place fourth Nashville. But 
I mean, overall, Lou, what kind of effect do you think that this is going to have on Florida because of the fact that, you know, they're not going to have as big of a talent as uh, Aaron Ekblad manning their top defensive line? Uh, that could be a big problem right there. I mean, Florida, you know, depending on that, and, you know, with that, with that kind of um, – that kind of injury, I don't, I don't see uh, how how good this is going to come out of it. I mean that, and you said the uh, the injury was that gruesome, correct? Oof. Well, when you when you get the chance, look it up on uh, look it up on the net when you get the chance because yeah, I mean from 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 the replay, it looks it almost looks like it's a knee injury because of how he uh, okay. Because it, it it almost looks like he you know when you bet when you bend your leg back, and I mean yes. you're probably putting you're putting not just pressure on your calves but you're kind of putting pressure on your knees too. It almost probably. looks like he bends it. It almost looks like he bends it too far back to the point of where, you know, Ooh. maybe you get maybe you get some sort of. Uh, uh, you know, some sort of tear on the knee, but no, it was actually a fracture uh, on the leg. Yeah. And it's hard to tell based on the actual uh, replay that it's an actual fracture, but, you know, ju- just the way that you can kind of see just from the way that he lands uh, that yeah. – First off, he was never he was never in a good spot to begin with. Uh, I mean, no. granted, I, I understand he I understand he had, he he tried to make a play on the uh, on the puck because he had he had possession of the puck at the time. But man, it is you know that was a no a no win situation for him basically that he wasn't no getting out of he wasn't getting out of that without Ooh. something happening to him. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they were without Evgeny Malkin uh, for today's game. And actually, for the past couple of Good. games, he, he, has been, he has been moved to long-term injured reserve, uh, retroactive to March 16th, when he was injured against Boston in that game. Uh, his move to long-term injured reserve means he will not be able to return until next Sunday at the earliest. Malkin's got to be getting and up there in his, in, his, in his career. I mean, he's been around since, like, what, 2006 or so. He's got to be up there in his career now. Yeah, he came in, He came in. I think it was either the year before or the year after uh, Crosby. That long. <laughs> yeah. I remember when he beat Crosby's the Rangers in, around... in 2009, the overtime goal. That dirty dog. Because cause Crosby's, Crosby's around the same age. Isn't he like 33, 34? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm looking at it now. He, Evgeny Malkin, he was drafted second overall in 2004. And then Crosby was selected first overall in 2005. Right. Uh, so that kind of that kind of makes sense now. Okay, yeah, he's, you know, he's one year older. Uh, than Crosby, and actually, it is a pretty big loss for Pittsburgh. You know, considering they probably could have used Malkin in their 
their shootout that they basically had uh, in Boston today, a seven to five yeah. loss against the Boston Bruins. Um, thanks to a uh, Brad Marchand hat trick and what should have been a David Pasternak Ooh. hat trick. Uh, so let's let's see if we can understand this, Lou. Now, okay, Pasternak, Pasternak, he uh, it's it's late in the game, late in the third period. About all right, I think four. I think it, I think it's about four or five minutes left in the game. Uh, they start to pull their goaltender. They start to pull their goaltender. Pastern, uh, Latang has the puck. Well, yeah, because they were down by two at the time. Okay, uh, or maybe two. it was maybe it was maybe it was closer to three minutes. I forget. Uh, all I know is that it was late in the game. Latang gets the puck for for Pittsburgh. He's bringing it. He's trying to bring it back into the neutral zone. Pasternak, he steals the puck from behind Latang. Pasternak starts moving towards the empty net, tries to make a shot, gets hooked by Latang. And keep in mind, the net is an empty net because uh, DeSmith, yes. Casey DeSmith had already gone to the bench. Uh, so it was a very open and clear attempt. And or Latang only gets called for hooking. Shouldn't that have been ruled a goal? I know there. I know there's some yeah. rule in the. There is some rule in the NHL rulebook that if there is an open net and a player has a clear, a clear pathway basically for uh, for a goal, and they end up getting, uh, you know, they end up uh, getting impeded in some way, whether it's a, uh, uh, depending on what kind of penalty it is. In this case, it was a hooking call. That technically should have been ruled. Uh, that goal should have been awarded to Pasternak in that situation. That's now the goal. It ended up not being a goal, but this was at the time where the Bruins they were leading six to four. Um, then Crosby, of course, he gets a uh, shorthanded goal off of that penalty. He gets a shorthanded goal on a squeaker that gets by, that somehow gets by Yaroslav Halak on one of the 500 squeakers that he let in today. Uh, then, basically, uh, Crosby puts on an, an Oscar uh, an Oscar award winning performance uh, by making the flop of the century uh, when Bergeron, when the butt, uh, the, the top of Bergeron's stick, uh, not the blade, but the, uh, the top part of the, the blunt part of the stick uh, accidentally grazes his chin when, when Bergeron is turning around after the face off. And somehow he gets a four-minute penalty for high sticking, even though there was I, – I looked, there was no blood uh, that was drawn from Crosby. So I don't understand why there was four minutes uh, added on to that when it was an accidental penalty to begin with. Right. Uh, then to top it all off, Brad Marchand <laughs> scores. Oh, boy. Is that an and one I just saw? Or no, that's a I charge. No, oh, that's a charge. That should be a, that should be a charge. 
Yeah, that's a yeah, what a game. He was, he was outside of uh, he was outside of the uh, outside of the of the semicircle. Oh, this is getting very. This is getting very interesting. Gonzaga holding yes. on to a one-point lead with 6.52 to go. Uh, Suggs, Timmy, and Ayayi are in foul trouble for Gonzaga. Bernard is in trouble for UCLA. Four fouls for Bernard. The other three players have three fouls apiece. And right now, uh, a guy that I call Bob Marley uh, misses the, uh, the layup there. Those dreads, man. I, I I don't understand how players can play can play with hair like that. Maybe it's Bob. Maybe it's Bob Marley's uh, grandkids. Oh boy. Well, no, his name's not even Marley. Uh, not even Bob Marley. It's Campbell. But yeah. uh, we nickname him Bob Marley for, because of because of his hair. He always yeah, wears the uh, he too. always wears the dreads. Wow, nice stutter actually from from uh, from Campbell there. And they take it away. Um, oh my God! Oh, this oh is going to be what? Oh this boy, is boy, this boy. is easily the closest game that we've had so far this tournament. I don't, you know, just I did not just when it, it looked this like good. I did not. No. Just when it looked like that. Uh, You know, when it when it looked like uh, Gonzaga was starting to pull away here in the second half, all of a sudden UCLA fired back with two three pointers out of nowhere, and now we're back to basically a one point game here. Yeah, man, oh man. Um, Let's see. Okay, yeah, I talked about the the Canucks and I mentioned Malkin. Um, Nathan Beaulieu. Uh, Nathan Beaulieu ended up having successful shoulder surgery uh, on Thursday to repair a torn labrum, according to uh, Paul Maurice, who is the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. It says here that uh, he will, uh, obviously this will sideline Beaulieu for the remainder of the season. He had been sidelined since March 9th due to this ailment. Uh, he had only one assist along with 20 penalty minutes, 26 shots, 30 blocks, and, and 39 hits in 29 games during this season. So Beaulieu was basically used as a, uh, as a bench player, essentially, um, as a reserve a reserve player for uh, for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Yeah. But, I mean, look, you know, looking at the standings right now this season, obviously from what it looks like based off of the current standings, the Discover Central, you're going to have Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina, and Nashville being your likely uh, playoff uh, playoff teams. Unless Chicago yes. or Dallas can make a uh, last ditch effort here, these last uh, Chicago, yeah, Chicago maybe Dallas, I don't think so. Yeah, Chicago is possible. They're only two points, uh, two points behind Nashville right now. So uh, assuming that they can, they still have plenty of time. Yeah, Unless that means it's been their best season in a while. Definitely, yeah. 
uh, unless uh, you know, unless they decide to become sellers at the deadline, perhaps, and maybe you may see you may see somebody like Jonathan Taze become available for trade, uh, or maybe Duncan Keith, or some of those big contracts. Jonathan Taze. Uh, some of these big contracts for players that they you know that they could potentially still have uh, some trade value for. No points for Gonzaga in the last going going close to three minutes right now. Wow, this is this is something I did not expect out of Gonzaga at all this game. No, and now another turnover. Oh my God, this is embarrassing. This is unbelievable. Believe this. Over in the Honda West. It looks like your four teams for the Honda West Division. Well, I'll 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 give it six teams actually because there are still a few teams in striking range. Uh, you have the Colorado Avalanche at the top. You have the Vegas Golden Knights followed by the Minnesota Wild, and currently, as of now, it's the Arizona Coyotes in the fourth spot. But St. Louis is just behind them at. Uh, by one point. Oh, what a generous, uh, a generous oh. uh, bounce there for Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, and you got San Jose only three points behind Arizona. So San Jose, they're still in striking range. Uh, but those six teams could be in playoff contention right now for the Honda West in the Mass Mutual East Division. You have the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders tied for the for the top two spots. Uh, Pittsburgh right behind them, and the Boston Bruins currently in the number four spot. Uh, you cannot rule out the Philadelphia Flyers or the New York Rangers, however, as they are four points uh, within striking range of Boston. Yeah, they lost the final favorite spot. kind of shootout. Well, I think the Sabers. I think the Sabers. You can pretty much rule out twenty-two points. Uh, yeah, I rule it out since day one. I mean, they lost how many? How many straight was it, Lou? I think at, at one point eighteen. Eighteen. Yes. Eighteen, and then they somehow finally came up. I mean, it, it was kind, yeah. it was it was horrible at one point. Um, oh, it was beyond horrible. Uh, there was one. Well, no. What I'm saying is, there was one stat like within the last, uh, within the last, I think, twelve months or something. It was I forget exactly what it was, but they said that uh, the Buffalo Bills had 15 wins, while the Buffalo Sabers had a total of 14 wins within the past like 12 months or something yeah. like that. I mean, it, well, it's, it's kind of hard to compare. Well, obviously, I mean it's two different sports, but it's yeah. kind of bad when it's kind of bad when your hockey team can't can't outdo, uh, you know, <laughs> your football team. Yeah. Gee, we play a sixteen game season. We were fifteen games. We're playing an eighty two game season, and we only have fourteen wins. Boy, boy, we suck. 
don't don't forget the playoffs too, because I believe uh, I believe it was Buffalo had what fourteen fourteen wins, and then they had a playoff victory, I think. Right before losing. Yeah, but the Sabers won't um, get to the playoffs this year. Well, obviously, no, the Sabers won't. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've already dealt Eric Stahl, and they're probably going to be dealing Taylor Hall at some point before the deadline uh, within the next week Welcome or so. Welcome back to the Devils. Uh, I don't think so. I Okay, Diane will be happy Buffalo, then, that's for sure. I think I think Buffalo would want to keep him would want to keep them out of the division. So whatever well, I know, I, I, I know thought, Taylor I thought Hall that would happen. Make, I just thought that would happen and make Diane happy, you know. <laughs> True, but I yeah. think uh, I, I had heard rumors that Boston might be involved, but I just honestly I don't see it. I uh, I don't see. I don't see Buffalo dealing inside their division. And especially considering Taylor Hall's massive deal. I mean, he's, he's on the hook for like 7 million or something uh, this year. So whatever team is going to deal for him, either they're going to have to have massive cap space or there's going to be salary coming back uh, along in the deal. Either that or Buffalo is going to have to retain a certain amount of the salary this year. Uh, I did see that Boston also may be in on Connor Garland of the Arizona Coyotes, so that's another another name to potentially keep an eye on there. Uh, and the Scotia, the Scotia North Division, you currently have the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Montreal Canadiens as your four representatives of the Scotia North Division. With Calgary and Vancouver, eh, I mean, six points, depending on what happens between Montreal, Vancouver, and Calgary, maybe there's a possibility they may catch up. I'm ruling uh, Ottawa out of it. They're basically 30 points. They're pretty much out of it. So I mean, there's still the possibility maybe Vancouver or Calgary, but it's it's dwindling basically. Oh, Timmy with four fouls. This is uh, one more you're going, buddy. Now actually. He's a, he's on the bench now. Actually, this is uh, this is pretty big considering Timmy is is probably one of Gonzaga's. Ah, I know. Well, Shockingly, oh, though, Gonzaga is shooting sixty. Gonzaga was shooting sixty percent actually uh, tonight, which is kind of shocking considering a lot of the a lot of the the shots I've seen them take have been misses. Oh, that was Whoops. a bad pass. That was a bad pass. And but can the game? Why? No, they didn't take advantage of it. You know what? I do not understand this, Lou. And uh, I talked about this with Jim during um, during one of the Arkansas games. Yeah, the the uh, our producer that that's joined us uh, quite a few times on here. Uh, Obviously, you know, he's an Arkansas fan. And one of the biggest gripes that we had was when you have teams that take these stupid little floaters 
you know, instead of going straight to the hoop, they take like these little six foot floaters that more often than not end up missing. And we saw that just happen just now with Gonzaga. At what point do you decide to just go full-fledged to the hoop instead of stopping six feet away yeah and hoping that and hoping that you do one of these little one of these little floaters that uh that may potentially have a shot i i almost would call it a sky hook but it's not really a sky hook it's more of a floater so you know it's like uh, i've seen i don't know how many of these shots taken that have uh, that have ended up in wasted possessions so far uh, this tournament. That you know, normally you don't see those type of shots in like the NBA, for example, unless of course no. you know they end up unless of course they end up going in, which obviously in the NBA you know there's a higher level of a higher level of skill, so more than likely those little floater shots are going to end up going in. But in college, you know, it's just, a lot of these, a lot of those attempts are just, are just, oh, what a fake by number three there. Uh, he could have taken that three-point shot, actually, and I think he he may have had a shot to land it, but Gonzaga ties it up here, 77 apiece. Um, you know, there's. He he had him faked out. He could have very possibly had that wide open. Taking a hopefully no, they're not going to show it on the replay. Um, where they have, it's kind of kind of like what I what I hear from one of one of the YouTubers that I listen to, where he says, "Get that uh, guy a map. Get that guy a map. Where are you going?" And that's pretty much what I'm. Yeah, saying. where are you, UCLA, going? Uh, that's pretty much what I'm saying to the UCLA defender who basically got faked out uh, thinking that he was going to go up the, uh, uh, go up the line instead of, uh, instead of going around, man, that was, I, I did not see that coming. No. Uh, you know what? Going into some, Going into some NFL news, actually here, or actually no, 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 let's stick with basketball. Let's stick with basketball, actually, because we have yeah. uh, we have a few things from the NBA here. First, uh, primarily, actually, the Charlotte Hornets. Now, the Charlotte Hornets, as you know, they are making quite the run this year in regards to uh, to contending for the playoffs. However, they will be without two of their key players as not only Malik Monk is out with a uh, with an injury, but just recently last night actually Gordon Hayward for a foot injury. Uh Gordon Hayward suffered a right foot sprain. He's going to be out for about four weeks, which will effectively sideline him for each of the matchups that, that they have against Boston uh, the next couple of games. Uh, Monk, he has been diagnosed with a sprained right ankle. He's expected to miss at least two weeks. Probably the best player they have off of their bench. 
so now they're going to be ter- they're going to be turning to Brad Wanamaker, who they just acquired from the Golden State Warriors at the trade deadline. And for a team that is currently sitting actually in the number four spot, and let me look here, about a half game ahead of Atlanta and actually a full game ahead of the Knicks uh, from either being in a solid playoff spot and having to play in the play-in Very interesting in the East right now because – Four through ten is very, very close. It can take a few games to either you might be in the playoffs or out. Yeah, exactly. Top three are a lock, but four through ten, it's anybody, it's anybody's race to get the playoffs. Yeah, and based off of what we saw actually in the trade deadline, you know, I kind of said I said this last week, I think Miami if anything made the the biggest impact with their acquisitions acquiring the likes of uh uh Bigelica from the Sacramento Kings as well as a very last second addition of Victor Oladipo in honestly what I feel is the steal of the of the trade deadline only only having to give up Kelly Olynyk, um, Avery Bradley, and the rights to swap draft picks uh, for I think it was like two years or something in exchange for Oladipo. So the, first off, I, I feel that the Rockets got absolutely fleeced in that deal. Um, and Miami right now is looking very scary in the East. So – don't let their 26 and 24 record fool you with the additions that they made at the deadline this year. Uh, yeah. They are very scary and they are currently right yeah. now, my dark horse for the Eastern conference. Mm. It's a pretty good choice. But like I said, four through 10, anybody's race. Oh, Definitely. Uh, now, one of the biggest losses, the East, though, that makes – yeah, in the East. Obviously, the West is a whole different story. Exactly. But uh, one, of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest losses, though, might be for your New York Knicks, actually, Lou, with uh, Mitchell ah. Robinson uh, going down with a, uh, with a fractured foot. He's out indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, and the Knicks, they didn't really do much at the deadline this year. They, I know they were in on a couple of players. Well, uh, I am, I'm not surprised by that, and I'm glad they didn't because you know they have a good solid lineup. I mean, you know, you you have you have Obi one, and you have another good player out there. The lineup, so I want I want to take a thing. Well, let me ask you this, Lou: Who were you most shocked by at the trade deadline this year? With either either who didn't make moves or what moves specifically were made, uh, who were you shocked by this year? Hmm. Well, I would say I think you know the Pistons haven't done very well. I mean, you know the, the the bad teams that don't make the trades. I mean, you know they're pretty much the other things from that Cleveland. Uh, you know, 
I mean, they, I mean, Cleveland was a great was a, was a great franchise, and they have just you know completely been, uh, you know, sucking. Of course, yeah. um, I'm not too surprised on the teams that didn't. Uh, you got Philadelphia, the Nets, of course. You know, were the were the um, I think maybe supposed to be the big winners of the trade. So I'm happy with that. Oh boy. Coming down the last twenty seconds well, of the game. Well, actually, oh. you know the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers they did actually make some moves. Uh, they did make one uh, one move at the trade deadline. Actually, yeah, uh, they acquired um, With the upset of the century. Oh, that's a charge! Oh. This is going to overtime. What the hell? This is going to overtime. Eighty-one, eighty-one. Oh my God! They had it. They had it in the bag, and he drew a charge. What a dumbass! You can't. You you can't. You can't charge like that. That's the thing. No, they could have had it. Oh wait a minute! They're looking at the replay, though. What? Right. Wait. Can you? Can, can you do it? Can you do it like uh, like the NBA? Can you in college? Can you? Uh, Contest? Um, can you challenge I, certain calls? No, I don't think you can. Oh yeah, okay. They were ju- they were just looking for how much time was left. All right, but yeah, you know the Seventy Sixers they did make a deal. They did acquire George Hill uh, from the Oklahoma City yes. Thunder. So. Uh, the Knicks, they did make a move, but it wasn't, you know, anything real big. They just acquired Terrence Ferguson and Vincent Poirier, along with two like second-round picks. One of them, along with two second-round picks, one of them protected, and the rights to uh, to Amir Per. I'm not even going to pronounce oh. that name. But you know, they they were basically the facilitator, essentially for Six that. Six thousand Bruins. Move. Oh shit. Uh, the Bulls, though, you know, they got Nikola Vucevic. They got Al Farouk Aminu from the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Uh, they also made – they also got involved in a uh, – in got they, invo- they got involved in a deal with the Celtics and the Wizards where they got Daniel Tice, Javante Green, and Troy Brown Jr. Uh, sending Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett to the Celtics and the Wizards. They got uh, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison uh, from the Chicago Bulls. So the Bulls were pretty active. The Nuggets, you know, they get JaVale McGee. They get Aaron Gordon. You know, there there were a whole bunch there were a whole bunch of teams that ended up making. This was probably one of the more active deadlines in recent years because. As soon as as soon as the Vucevic trade came down, and they just started popping up one after the other after mm-hmm. the other. Uh, the Celtics they added Evan Fournier in a deal with the mm-hmm. Orlando Magic uh, for Jeff Teague, who ended up getting waived, and two future second round picks. Uh, you know Oladipo, like I said, he went to the Heat uh, in exchange for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a draft pick swap uh, in 2022. The Mavericks, they got J.J. Redick. Uh, the Clippers surprisingly dealt Lou Williams to the Hawks for Rajon Rondo. 
uh, you know, I mean, just taking a look at a, at a whole bunch of a whole bunch of trades that ended up going down here. Yeah. You know, this was very easily. Uh, you know, the Raptors they sent uh, Norman Powell to the Trailblazers. Uh, this was one of the one of the most active deadlines that I've seen in quite some time. When it comes to the NBA, uh, so I mean, I would say I'm probably the most well. I shouldn't say shocked now because the Lakers they did get Andre Drummond in the buyout market, yeah, uh, and. LaMarcus Aldridge, he ended up going to the Brooklyn Nets. I was kind of surprised that Brooklyn held on. Um, yeah. Well, I, no, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I'm kind of surprised that they hung on to Spencer Dinwiddie because he seemed oh, like Dinwiddie. a yeah. like a prime like a prime trade candidate. Yes. I was just crazy about so Spencer kind of, myself. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised there that they uh, that they hung on to him. Um, we're adding right. JB onto the line here. Uh, JB, welcome uh, welcome to the oh, show hi. tonight. Hello. Uh, you know what? We're go- we are going to go into uh, into some baseball uh, in a few in a few minutes here as we're going into the overtime. But JB, I want to yeah. I want to talk to you first about the. Obviously, we were talking about UFC 260 uh, in the third hour last week, and I don't—I uh, know we talked about this one particular fight, uh, Lou. I don't know if you saw this fight at all last week. It was the Francis Ngannou Stipe Miocic fight. Heard about uh, it? I didn't get a chance to view it, but I know about it. That was a rematch. Uh, from their original encounter where uh, Miocic ended up winning by unanimous decision after five rounds. And the biggest thing that Lou and I talked about was whether or not Nganu would have the gas tank because we were assuming that if Miocic could, could weather the storm, the early storm, that it would basically end up resulting the same way that it did the first go around, which was essentially you know, Miocic would end up winning by decision. But instead, Nganu, what we surprisingly saw out of him this fight was he was very reserved, very calm, you know, not really not really being as wild as we normally see him uh, in these you know, in, in these fights that he has where he ends up knocking out the guy early, uh, either that or gassing out. But he ended up catching Miocic in the second round at the very beginning, 52 seconds in, uh, knocking Miocic out with a, with, a, uh, uh, with a punch. And probably one of the most devastating knockouts that we've seen, uh, that we've seen Miocic take. Uh JB, I just I want to start off with you, man. What did you think when when you saw Ngannou knock out Miocic in, in such a devastating fashion, like we saw? To me, I didn't really, I didn't really care which one won the fight, as long as it was a uh, good fight. And 
to see Naganu knock out Miochik, I didn't I I really didn't think going in that he was going to knock him out. But you know, back in the back of my head I thought he does have the uh knockout uh, power and if Stipe you know steps in at the wrong place at the wrong time he could uh he could catch one of uh Francis's uh punches there and get knocked out and I had to turn around I was eating something and I didn't get to see the I didn't get to see the damn thing so all I got to see was the uh uh rerun that they show uh you know right after the fight and they must have showed it about uh, five or six times it was massive and not just oh, that, I know we it. also saw we also saw Vicente Luque absolutely dominate Tyrone Woodley in the first round uh, of the co-main event before eventually submitting Woodley by a Bravo choke uh, three minutes and 56 seconds into that, in, into that, uh, that fight after he rocked Woodley. I don't know how many times on the, on the, uh, on the feet and somehow Woodley was still standing. Um but Lou, you said you heard about the uh, about the Ngannou fight. Um, yeah. How shocked are you that that Ngannou, you know, considering how how he normally fights, that he was able to make such an adjustment to the point of where he was able to beat such a well-rounded champion like Miocic. Yeah, I, I did come quite as a surprise. I didn't get a chance to see the fight, but you know, I heard about the upside. Okay, it should be this is a uh, this will make a very interesting story next week. Yeah, it's definitely any fight. Any fight can be so, any different on any different any given day, of course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. but it, it was just so it, it was so weird though because normally when when you see an MMA fight, you know the type of style that a fighter likes to fight at, and yes, it was just so weird seeing Ngannou on on shot or on opportunities that he would normally go guns blazing he instead looked gun shy like he was like he was basically picking his spots and that was a major difference yeah. based off of what we've seen out of him in in his more recent fights and actually that's ultimately every time he's lost that's basically what has killed him the entire and here we go Lou this is exactly what I t- what we talked about earlier. Yeah, stupid floaters. Yeah, just cost UCLA a bucket there. Making these stupid little floaters that w- that we're seeing here. <laughs> and by the way, for those listening, Gonzaga currently leads eighty-seven to eighty-five in overtime. Oh, yeah, but uh, didn't expect it. No, no. I mean, this is this is this is just ridiculous when it comes to when it comes to these uh, these stupid floaters. JB, we were talking about we were talking about this earlier before you joined in uh, that so many games 
have been have been lost because of missed possession, um, missed right. opportunities with these stupid floaters. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, if you can believe this, and yeah. most of the people, uh, most of the people online and uh, listening probably won't believe this, but I am actually watching this game right now. <laughs> I believe it. Well, I'm kind of surprised, JB, because you're not even in the uh, uh, the Sports Whispers tournament, I don't think, are you? I don't think I've ever gotten into the uh, Sports Whispers uh, tournament. To be honest with you, I've been calling the show for four years. Well, you know, you know what? Lou, you know, next, uh, next, next, uh, next March Madness, we're gonna have to get you into it. Yeah, we're gonna have to get you into it so you can fill out your own bracket and 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 everything. We have a uh, we have a thing on ESPN. Um, that allows you to fill out your March Madness bracket and fill up to two fill up to two different brackets uh, right. and join a uh, join a certain group basically uh, that they uh, that they say. Oh, oh, that's a big three for Gonzaga. UCLA, UCLA can't can't afford any misses now. Get this possession right here. And a timeout. Timeout. Time out. I use the wire uh, the year. So was... Some sort of implications here, uh, JB. Uh, in the Sports Whispers tournament, it's down to Jim, me, and Tim. And <laughs> if Gonzaga, if Gonzaga can hang on here, then all three of us will still be in contention heading into I'll Monday be done. night. Oh, boy. That's going to be something. However, if UCLA somehow pulls off the upset here, then it looks like Tim is probably going to be the winner because he has Baylor Baylor as his champion. Yeah. I didn't didn't see the uh, Baylor uh, game. You didn't miss the blowout. I'm watching this game, and I will watch the, uh, you know, final, you know, the final. Yeah, that's at uh, that's at nine twenty uh, Monday night. Monday night, okay. Yes. Yeah, the Monday night nine twenty. Well, what's tomorrow? The women's. Yes. Oh, okay. That 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 makes sense then. They alternate. Uh, they alternate days for uh, for yes. the men and the but women. In, okay. But in previous years, the women's final was held after the men's final. But I guess they went back to reverse. They're huh. probably doing That's like uh, they're probably doing like uh, tennis does. <laughs> okay, who's serving? Possibly. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm am t- telling you though, you're gonna uh, you're gonna be looking at the at, at those uh, those missed opportunities. Uh, like for example, if 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 UCLA decided to instead of going for, wait, did that even go in? 
that went in. That yeah, went it in. did. Honestly, it looked like it hit the net. It didn't even look like it went in. I thought it hit. I thought it hit the uh, back of the back backboard yeah. and just barely hit it, but missed going into the uh, net. Oh, oh! This looks like this is the final shot here. What do you do? Fifteen seconds left. What do you do? Honestly, I would go for the tie. I, I don't think I would go for the uh, – and here we go, another floater. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's tied up. La- oh. <laughs> Whoa, did you see that? Oh. Oh, man. Holy mackerel! Holy mackerel! <laughs> what a shot at the, the end! Buzzer. Still intact. Ninety-three to ninety oh, victory Woo! for Gonzaga. Wow. Gonzaga's perfect season is still in play. So did I. You know, I agree with – I thought we were heading into double overtime, but 3.3 seconds. Wow. And wait a minute. Let me see. What what shot was – no, that's not the that's not the shot. That's the that's the, the layup. Um, how far – that's a Steph Curry shot, basically. From that – That was like out. about – Five, that was that was not quite five feet that's from him. the uh, half court line. That was at one of the stars. That was about yeah. That was about what six feet away from the half court line. Yeah. About about yeah, that yeah. So what? Maybe yeah. so. Gonzaga and Baylor. One of these two Gonzaga schools will Butter. win their first ever national oh, title. Unreal. Yeah, really. What a shot! So, regardless, regardless of who wins, we will have a first-time champion. Actually, I think Baylor went to in nineteen fifty. They went to it, but they didn't win. They, okay, they didn't Did win. They? Okay. But somebody, somebody will have their first. Somebody will have their first championship. Either it'll be Gonzaga, or it'll be, uh, or it'll be Baylor. Yeah. Who, who, do you, my, uh, who, who do you? Who do you? Who do you pull for? Watch after watching uh, this game. Oh. I still think you got to go Gonzaga. Honestly, I, I mean Baylor. Baylor has the scoring potential, but yes, I, Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga just doesn't let up at all. I mean, it, it may look like it may look like this was a close game, but keep in mind that Gonzaga. This just speaks more to the fact that Gonzaga they weren't really facing. You know, tough – they weren't really facing tough teams. 
to the point of where right that was the that was the whole thing right there. Yeah, they weren't really facing tough well, teams well, remember, to the, you to get the point what the schedule of, gives you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to the point of where eleventh ranked UCLA was their toughest was their toughest uh, challenge to date because nobody before this. Not Norfolk State, not Oklahoma, not Creighton, not USC. UCLA is the first team in this tournament that has scored above 80 points. It was Gonzaga. with the winning shot. Yeah. I, I, was looking at, on, I was looking online and didn't see a close score. Uh, that uh, Gonzaga had all year, uh, all year long. No, it's been blowouts basically all year. And you know what? Yeah. Look at, just looking at this map, looking at Baylor's road to the to the finals, the highest amount of points they've scored is eighty-one, and that was against Arkansas. Wow. I mean, you know it. When you think about Gonzaga, they scored an average of over 90 points per game this year. It's kind of hard to pick against Gonzaga, honestly. Yeah, really. And I just got a uh, I just got a, a text from Evan, um, who sometimes is called into the show, and he's also. Uh, mm. He's current. He's currently at work right now, and he said the bar was absolutely intense uh, during this game. Right uh, d- during this, Gee, I this game. Why. I bet it was. Yeah. In a game like tonight, I definite. bet he made uh, good. I bet he made uh, good money on tips too. You know, and I'm I'm about to I'm about to actually say that um, to him in uh in our uh, what's it called in a little chat. Um, you know, this is definitely the closest game that we've seen. Uh, definitely the most high scoring game we've seen all all the uh, tournament long. And. Just when it looked like the Cinderella season was going to continue for UCLA, I'm telling you, it's the floaters. Mm-hmm. You stop doing those stupid little floaters. Maybe, maybe do more of a layup, and maybe, perhaps, perhaps, maybe we wouldn't have even had overtime. Yeah, and UCLA would have won in regulation. I can't, yeah, I, can't I thought, yeah, I thought they were going to give it away. Yeah, exactly. And take away the floaters. I think uh, the game that I saw uh, was a short period of time. I think like the last two minutes, and it looked like uh, UCLA was playing a, a better game than Gonzaga was. What was oh, going was on before then, I don't know. 
Yeah, JB, it was back and forth all night long, uh, all game long. We were uh, uh, we were talking about we were talking about about the game earlier uh, to start off the show, and I mean it was it was back and forth all game long. Just when you thought UCLA was taking control, then Gonzaga gets back in it, or they at least hang in there. Uh, then when Gonzaga starts t- starts running away with it, you think, okay, you know, Gonzaga's going back to, uh, you know, to the dominance that they've uh, that they've displayed all all tournament long, and instead, UCLA ends up coming back, and yeah. and uh, you know, tying up the game. Yeah. But man, I really thought that we were headed to we were headed to double overtime. I thought this. UCLA was going to win regulation. Well, honestly, I originally thought, yeah, that UCLA was going to win in regulation, yeah. but then Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga ended up ended up fighting back with the with those second half adjustments that they made. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't wait to I can't wait to see what the odd what the uh, the what the line is uh, for the that they yeah. set for the uh, the national title game. I mean that's a banker right off of the right off of the back of the rim. Yeah. I mean that's a that's a that was a no that was a no doubter uh from not quite six feet away from the uh half court line. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just I'm just talking about, you know, the angle that it went in, you know, it wasn't exactly a full, a full swish, like going directly right through the net without hitting the rim. That was, that banked off of the back of the rim. That could have gone, uh, you know, different, a different, a different route. If it, if it was like one inch further, that may have bounced right off of the rim. Yeah. If he would have, uh, what gave it a little bit more uh, oomph? It would have just bounced right back. Well, not bounced right back, but it may have bounced off to the side, possibly. Right, right. Oh, and yeah. Uh, Evan said he was near the bar. He wasn't in the bar though tonight. Oh. Uh huh. Let me see if the if the line is uh is out officially for Gotti. You'd almost have to give the line to uh Gonzaga. Yeah. I would think. You know, it's just it's asinine though when you think about the when you think about this game overall, that entering this game, Gonzaga had a had an or at least in Vegas, Gonzaga had a 14-point advantage. Okay, here's one from Circus Sports. It says here Gonzaga opens up at at four, at minus four. Now, if it was Baylor and UCLA, Baylor would have opened up at a minus seven. Hmm. But it's Gonzaga at a minus four, and I can kind of understand that because Baylor, just because of, uh, 
how Baylor has been able to get shots off during this during this uh, this tournament run. But of course, that's only that's only one uh, that's only one source. Hopefully, I can get ESPN hasn't updated their thing yet, so we probably won't know about that until until tomorrow probably. But. I mean that's a, you know that's why they consider March Madness to be one of the craziest. Uh, that's why they call it madness. That's why they call that's why they call it March Madness. Anything can happen in March Madness. Like this year, you know, this year we thought it was going to be the year of the uh, the year of the of the upsets, which it basically was. Yeah, especially early. Uh, let's see. There is, uh, going on, uh, on one thing actually that I want to bring up with, uh, with baseball, as you may or may not have heard, uh, major league baseball has moved their all-star game out of Atlanta entirely for this year. I I heard Uh, that as well as well as the amateur draft uh, for this year as well, as both were expected to take place in Atlanta. Now, the reason being is this has a lot to do with the, uh, with the voting rights suppression uh, that Atlanta has, uh, has put out there. Basically, uh, basically trying to prevent – uh, I, I hate to sound I hate to sound uh you know kind of racist here but it it's basically to prevent to try and prevent black people from voting exactly. and and that has basically opened up uh opened up a whole can of worms ever since they ever since they passed that law in the uh Georgia Senate um that has basically opened up a whole can of worms and major league baseball announced friday that uh they over the last week they engaged in thoughtful conversations with clubs former and current players along with the players association and the players alliance among others to listen to their views uh and Rob Manfred said, I have decided that the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's all-star game and MLB draft. Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. In 2020, MLB became the first professional sports league to join the nonpartisan Civic Alliance to help build a future in which everyone participates in shaping the United States. We proudly used our platform to encourage baseball fans and communities throughout our country to perform their civic duty and actively participate in the voting process. Fair access to voting continues to have our game's unwavering support. Uh, It also says we will continue with our plans to celebrate the memory of Hank Aaron during this season's All-Star festivities. In addition, MLB's planned investments to support local communities in Atlanta as part of our All-Star Legacy projects will move forward. We are finalizing a new host city and details about these events will be announced shortly. Now, apparently this kind of caught the Atlanta Braves off guard, apparently 
uh, as they said they are deeply disappointed by the decision to move the All-Star game. This was neither our decision nor our recommendation, and we are saddened that the fans will not be able to see this event in our city. The Braves organization will continue to stress the importance of of equal voting opportunities, and we had hoped our city could use this event as a platform to enhance the discussion. Our city has always been known as a uniter in divided times, and we will miss the opportunity to address issues that are important to our community. Unfortunately, the vict- business, uh, businesses, employees, and fans in Georgia are the victims of this decision. We will continue to support the community legacy projects which have been planned and are in process. Now, it, in my opinion, it kind of makes sense why Major League Baseball did this, especially considering the fact that uh, you know every, yeah. everybody's been all about the the Black Lives Matter. Uh, movement and everything, and and sports leagues in general have been the have been some of the major, uh, you know, some of the major voices throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the NBA, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. Pretty much, I'd say maybe the NHL is really the only sports league that has had minimal. Um, you know, minimal uh, stuff when it comes to Black Lives Matter. But if anything, this was a big PR move by Major League Baseball to do this. And it has been, you know, for the most part, it has been met with with very overwhelming support uh, as opposed to, you know, some of the other people who, who think otherwise, obviously. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on this first, Lou? Do you think it was a it was a good move for Major League Baseball uh, to do this? I think it's another shot in the arm for Major League Baseball. I mean, you know, you know, Atlanta was supposed to be the home, and all of a sudden this new voting law that that which doesn't make any sense at all because you know it's really just discrimination. So no, no, I do not think this is a, um, the right move. Because I hear also the Masters, which is going to be played next week, is going to stay in Atlanta. So they're willing to, you know, they're willing to keep where it is, which I think you know, is what um, Major League Baseball should do. I mean, it's just, it's a stupid thing that had, it's a stupid way it had to come to this, you know, because it's because yeah. uh, this uh, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I think it's a shame with the city of Atlanta they had to do this. Yeah, that's not, that's not fair to anybody. You know, I I kind I kind of when I think about it, it would it would have made sense, you know, for them to be able to, you know, to be able to be a huge sounding board and provide a uh, what's the what's the phrase I'm thinking of here, uh, you know, to be able to provide that kind of platform uh, to show their government that. You know they won't stand for uh, for the the new rules that have been put into place. But I guess it's um, more of I, th- I guess in in baseball's view of it, they're basically looking at it as well. We don't want to associate our our big 
you know, uh, our big entertainment platform of the All-Star Game and all their festivities that, that come with it with an organization that's, that's – with an organization that's involved with a city like that. Or w- not with a city, but with a with a state like that. Right. I mean, it's still – I mean, you know, Georgia's, you know, a big business now, especially in the entertainment world. You know, they have everything, uh, you know, uh, maintained place in Georgia. And now they're looking to, you know, uh, move out because of all this. Yeah. Well, yeah, they got they Tyler, Tyler, Perry, Tyler Perry's, uh, Ty- Tyler Perry's, uh, uh, his studio is actually out of Atlanta. Yes. Because I know the uh, I know the Walking Dead they uh, they film a lot at Tyler Perry's uh, at Tyler Perry's place and actually actually a ton of I thought that was in Vancouver. No, that's uh, that's Fear the Walking Dead. Um, oh, yeah, that's Fear the Walking uh, Dead. But the Walking Dead, the the main show, they they film in uh, they film at Tyler Perry's place. Hmm. Funny, I always thought I was filming Canada. Okay, I'm wrong. But J- JB, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on this? Basically, they're deciding to you know uh, to take the uh, the All Star Game out of Atlanta because of this. To me, I think it's just uh, polit- political bullcrap. I mean, it was, uh, you know, slated the, uh, you know, be in Atlanta. Why don't they keep it in Atlanta and stay out of all this, uh, you know, political, uh, you know, bullshit? Yeah, exactly what it is. It's political. It's political. It's, you know, the bottom line is it's, uh, you know, it comes down to uh, politics. You know, it could, it could have been used as a uh, as a sound as a soundboard, basically. Like, if you really want to get your if you really want to make a statement, basically, you know, do uh, having something get done at the All Star Game, you know, where there was going to be a whole bunch of uh, millions of people watching because millions of people do watch the All Star Game. You know that would have been George the opportunity for Georgia, uh, you know, for uh, residents of Georgia, in particular, you know, the Atlanta Braves and their players, uh, their organization, to basically sound off about the about the decision. Yeah, exactly. Still looking at it, they still have not put the lines out, although they did put, oh, wait a minute. They are starting to slowly update, so maybe we may get a line here for uh, for Baylor and Gonzaga. But the other one I had seen, or the only one I had seen so far was uh, Gonzaga by four. Four. Yeah, that's what I've. That's what I've gotten so far, or that's what I've seen so far. Um, all right, uh, Major League Baseball. 
obviously uh big big uh big start to the se- to the season this uh this season and the Nationals and Mets we've already had we've already had covid yeah. impact one uh one uh start to the se- one series uh this season with the Nationals and Mets having their whole series get postponed uh due to covid impacting I think it was the Nationals organization actually I think I think it was the Nationals yeah. uh Lou there weren't yeah. any Mets uh players were there no no four four players at least on the Nationals and a staff member uh tested positive Jeez, so you know, I, I guess this is I guess this is uh this is something that we're just gonna have to deal with even with a hundred and sixty two game season. Uh that we're gonna have we're gonna see you know what, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we end up seeing the playoffs uh get delayed quite a bit considering all the games that, that teams are gonna have to potentially make up based off of uh depending on on how uh, how COVID uh, you know goes through the uh, league this year. Well, hopefully they won't drag it into December. It's the last yeah, it's going to be because this is the last year of the deal, and it you know this could you know do some serious damage. Yeah, uh, with, with the remember the uh, contract is done. Yeah. Depending on what, and obviously, yeah, you know the uh, the TV contract obviously is going to come up here. Uh, well, actually, no, they did just sign a new one with uh, with TBS, I think. No, but the uh, no, collective not... arguing is the collective arguing disagreement oh, yeah, is upsetting the year. Yeah, the CBA. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. They're two. They're two. They're two different things. Um, yes. Yeah, that may be a uh, that may be a problem because COVID may be a big sticking point with players. Yeah, because I call it the collective arguing disagreement, not the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, because I know uh, wasn't it wasn't it football that there was a stalemate for quite a bit of time uh, uh, yeah. between the players and the NFL. Yes, I mean there's yeah there there's. Uh, there's the potential that depending on, on how much, uh, how much COVID affects this season, that could really, especially with all the new variants that are coming out, that, that could really impact, uh, uh, what happens with the collective bargaining agreement, uh, in next off season, I guess we can say, Mm -hmm. uh, the Mets, they finally ended the stalemate with Francisco Lindor as they have officially yeah. agreed on a 10-year extension. Uh, Lindor will be paid it's 10 years, $341 million. Uh, Lindor will be paid a $21 million signing bonus, followed by $32 million salaries in each year of the deal. Uh, the contract calls for five mil of the annual salaries to be deferred, paid annually after the deal from two, from 2032 to 2041. So basically, the Mets have another Bobby Bonilla situation here. Have they never learned from the Bobby Bonilla deal? Mm-hmm. 
Bobby Bonilla. Because they're still paying. They're still paying Bobby Bonilla to this very year. Yeah. Long since they've been gone, they're still getting paid. How will never know. Uh, the deal also include well, yeah, it'll be a total of fifty million dollars in deferrals. So for the next ten years after this deal is done and Lindor is probably retired, uh, they're going to be paying him five mil each year for the next ten years after this. Uh, the deal also contains a 15-team no-trade clause without any opt-out provisions. Um, I mean, it's monumental because this basically ensures that Lindor pretty much spent his entire career, the entire rest of his career with the Mets, essentially, because he'll be 37, maybe 38 after uh, after this deal is up. thing here, Lou, is do you think that with the uh, locking up lean door like this, could this perhaps maybe attract future free agents uh, as part of a recruiting opportunity uh, to the Mets? Mm, It could, but I still don't think he's even worth all that money, to be honest. I mean, I don't either, but he... uh, you know, clearly, he, he's he's obviously one of the top shortstops in the game. Yes. But, you know, it's – I mean, this is on par with, like, Mike Trout money right now. And yeah. came in – he came into the league in – he came into the league in 2011 – and he's had 138 homers since then, batting at uh, batting at two uh, 285 clip, uh, 138 homers, 411 RBIs, and his best season came in 2018, where he had 38 homers with the Cleveland Indians uh, while batting 277. So, I kind of agree with you, Lou, but I also think – now, granted, obviously because of COVID last year, he had a shortened season, only had eight homers, 27 RBIs, uh, right. while batting two fifty eight. Assuming he can get back to those numbers, assuming he can get back to those numbers that he had with Cleveland and on a regular basis – to where he's averaging over 30 homers and close to 90 RBIs per season, then maybe you can kind of justify the contract. But mm-hmm. to me, it just kind of it, it kind of seems a little bit like the like the Mets were put in a difficult uh, a difficult situation here to where he tried to fleece them for as much money as possible. Otherwise he would opt or he would, uh, he would elect for free agency this year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this JB? Uh, I mean, the fact that this, this dude is now technically, he's going to be getting paid uh, close to 34 mil, anywhere from 32 to $34 million per year for the next 10 years. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, is, it, is it is it a good I haven't price I or? I haven't read up on it, and I don't. You know, I I really can't uh, say anything if I uh, you know don't know uh, everything. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this then, JB. Do you think it would be worth the contract if if he can get back to the high producing seasons that he had in Cleveland, where he was putting up? Uh, close to 38, 40 homers per season, and averaging around around 90 uh, RBIs per season, w- along with a along with a high batting average. Do you think that would be worth 340, 341, however however many million dollars that I that I said? Well. I don't know. As as long as he, you know, as as long as he plays, I don't have uh, I don't have a problem with it because that's what's in the uh, contract. Uh, it's it's just so weird when you think about it that baseball yeah. players are getting paid are getting paid a shit ton more money than some other sports. I mean, you wouldn't see this type of contract in, like, the NBA or the NHL. You know, you wouldn't see this uh, this type of con. Well, actually, no, you probably wouldn't even – well, no, wait a minute. What was Patrick Mahomes' deal? Um, I was I was about to say, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really see this deal in uh, the NFL, but – let me take a look, actually. No, you actually would see this deal in the NFL. Pat Mahomes, he signed a 10-year, $450 million deal. So, yeah, you know, football and baseball are probably the two biggest, highest-paying sports in terms of contracts. So I, I guess you could see this type of contract in, in the NFL as well. Uh, to me, though, it's just so odd seeing a shortstop getting paid this much money. Yeah. When shortstops, shortstops normally aren't known for power hitting. Right. It's basically basically when you look to shell out this amount of money, it's normally to like a first baseman or somebody in the outfield, or in, if you're in the American League, maybe a designated hitter. You never see this uh, for a shortstop, basically. No. Uh, Lou, I got to talk to you about uh, Gary Sanchez because it looks yeah. like, judging judging from today's game, it looks like well, apart from the fact that for some reason he decided to throw he decided to uh, to throw as if as if a runner was stealing after getting a strikeout when yet the guy wasn't even running. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like Gary Sanchez may actually be back in terms of offensive power. I heard, you know, there is a point. I think he is, especially after um, Thursday's game. You know, it looked like he was back already. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot uh, more from Sanchez making uh, 
making a big contribution. Unfortunately, yeah, we another, lost another those games today. Yeah. Yeah, but you guys did end up winning today. Uh, Thank goodness. Corey Corey Kluber unfortunately uh, did not get the uh, did not get the win as he couldn't go five innings today. Uh, the win went to Loasiga, I think. I, I think I'm saying that name correctly. Loasiga. Uh, and the save went to Chad Green for the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees uh, got a homer from from Gary Sanchez, his second uh, of the season so far. Also got some runs in by uh, DJ DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Hicks, and Jay Bruce as well. Uh, it really se- it really seems like if things can come together here that maybe perhaps uh you know the Yankees may have uh, may have a bit of a run uh that they could go on this year and also the addition of Darren O'Day uh you know the addition of Darren O'Day for the bullpen he made his debut today Granted, he gave up two hits, but normally he's a pretty solid player. Uh, he only lasted two-thirds of an inning. But, you know, I assume you're probably going to see a lot of uh, a lot of solid production out of him this season. Oh, I hope so. The Red Sox, on the other hand? Yeah. Dumpster fire? Two, two runs in 18 innings. And you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Both of these losses are not on the starting pitchers. And I know, I know what mm. people will say. Uh, what's his name? Gave up one run mainly be- uh, yesterday, mainly because our defense doesn't know how to play defense. Uh, and Tanner Houck, despite having a dominant line today, he had six hits. Uh, one walk and eight strikeouts, but he also had two earned runs. Well, he gave up three runs, but for some reason, even though two of the runs came off of errors, they decided to charge him with two earned runs anyways. Even though technically he should have only been charged with one run, uh, mainly because apparently our defense just doesn't know how to play defense. Um, I mean, it's just been, for for uh, being a Red Sox fan, it was cringeworthy watching these games these past two days. Cringeworthy. Yes. I mean, just just seeing <laughs> you got a guy who's either a strikeout or a home run type player. You got uh, one guy who made the roster even though he barely even played in spring training this year after being acquired in the Andrew Benintendi deal. Uh, Basically you have a whole bunch of utility players essentially on this team right now with Kike Hernandez, uh, Marwin Gonzalez. It it was just very hard watching this game. And for once, it isn't even our pitching that's the problem. It's our defense problem. Because if 
I mean, apart apart from uh, Kike Hernandez, almost uh, almost breaking his foot yesterday because uh, because Trey Mancini wouldn't wouldn't move his ass over a little bit so that he could uh, he could have enough room to get back. Um, pitching for the first for the first time, pitching has not has not been the problem. You know, they've given up. Shit, what was yesterday's? What was yesterday's total? They've given up a total of seven runs these first two games, but a lot of it has not been on the pitching. A lot of it has been on the defense. I mean, they are just – to sum it up, what, like like you said, Lou, it's basically been a dumpster fire these first two games, and I have a feeling we're, yeah. uh, we're set for, for even more. Well, you can go for two to, games this season. We've still got one way to go. Yeah, but normally once you start off horrible, like the Sox started off horrible last year, and we knew it was gonna it was gonna continue down that line. And right, the biggest thing is, is I understand Alex Cora has won a uh, a World Series. I mean, he won a, the World Series in his first year as manager of the Red Sox, but he's focusing mainly on the numbers, like. Oh, this guy has a hot hand, or this guy has a hot yeah. bat right now. But no, we're gonna go with the guy. We're gonna go with the guy who, uh, you know, who bats better against lefties. You know, instead of going instead of going with the uh, with the other guy who who maybe has had homers in three straight games. No, let's go with the let's go with the guy who bats better against lefties, and then they end up losing the game. You know, something like that. It's. There, there are certain there are certain teams that now go by the numbers instead of going based off of talent, and it's just it. I hate the fact that it's, it seems like it's becoming a more numbers driven league. Yeah. That and also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lou, but have you ever seen ball that was? below the knees and the batter didn't even swing. Have you ever seen something like that get ruled a Not strike? to my knowledge, no. I think, I think it's a new one for me. Well, that just happened yesterday with Joe West behind the plate. As Joe West, uh, I believe it was I believe it was Xander Bogarts who was that? Who was that? The oh, yeah. one with with uh, with two outs in the ninth, and a pass ball was uh, a pass ball happened, and it was below it was below Bogarts' knees, and for some reason, he, uh, Joe West immediately ruled a strike. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's West, not the worst man. call. It was Joe West, and yeah. obviously, he's been known around the league as uh, he's been known around the league as one of the worst umpires to have ever umpired the game. Mm. Uh, Angel well, Hernandez not that far Julia. behind him. But, uh, basically, what I'm saying is, is get ready for another season of. Uh, if you have Joe West on your on your uh, umpiring your game, 
you better hope to God you get a uh, you get a massive lead because yeah. <laughs> I knew from the start I knew from the start that once once it was announced that Joe West was behind the plate I was like I don't even need to watch this game I know we're gonna lose <laughs> but I'm gonna watch it anyways why and lo and behold lo and behold there's there were some calls that were clear strikes that he ended up calling balls. And there were balls, there were some balls that were clear balls that were called strikes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just unbearable. I, I still, I still don't understand how, how he even has a, uh, has a job still. Oh, that's another thing, too. Uh, I mentioned, speaking of referees, I mentioned this last week, Lou, and I was, I was hoping you would, you would call in last week to, to discuss this. Yes. What did you think of Tim Peel getting fired from the, from the NHL for, uh, for making the, uh, the statement that he did during the Nashville Predators game where he yeah, was caught I mean... on a live he was caught on a live mic saying, "I just needed to get a fucking penalty against against the against the Predators." This dumb inning. move, man. Dumb move. He deserved it. You don't do that. I'm, You're hey, supposed to be professional. You have to throw a stupid stunt like that. What a dumbass. Yeah, this guy's a veteran. You know, this this is a guy that that has a. Uh, that has refereed so many years in the NHL, and I, I guess it's this new thing now. Where how long have they how long have they had it where they've had to wear mics uh, for specifically uh, yeah. for TV purposes, where right, they've had to announce what the call is? Yeah, I've had, I think they've had in place for some time. You know, it kind of makes me it kind of makes me wonder still. To this day, to this day, you know, if he was the it, 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 basically the only reason why he got fired is because he got caught. Yeah. So it kind of makes me wonder how many of these referees that are refereeing in today's NHL are as corrupt as he is. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot. They just haven't got caught yet. And not to mention, by the way, the penalty that he called a penalty, it was a clear dive by the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings are a joke anyway. By, by the, the Red Wings player that got supposedly tripped up, it was a clear dive because there was, it wasn't even close to a, tri, uh, to a trip that would actually trip the guy up. And that's what the, that's what the call basically was. So it was kind. Of, I just as soon as I saw it, I was like, I got I got to get Lou's opinion on this because well, thanks a lot. I mean, it, it was all just, right, gentlemen. Uh, uh, I want to wish you a happy Easter tomorrow. Uh, you know, and enjoy it, celebrate your families, and uh, we'll take up again next week. All right, Lou. Thank uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, have, have a happy Easter. Thank you, JB. 
I'll be back. All right. All right. Uh, now, JB, I know. I know. Obviously, we didn't have uh, uh, the Survivor Memories or Big Brother Memories podcast this week. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the at the top of the show tonight, I don't know uh, if we will have one this upcoming week. Uh, obviously, you know, Jim hasn't, uh, hasn't spoken to me at all about it. Uh, the last time I spoke to him, it sounded like there was probably going to be one this upcoming week. And he was just taking this past week, uh, this week off to, you know, uh, recharge his batteries, so to speak. Um, yeah. I would assume that it may be on Thursday. He's he he has already told me what the next podcast will probably be. So I have the artwork and everything. I'm just waiting on him for a uh for a confirmation. Uh but I would assume it would probably be Thursday. I could be wrong. Um normally I find right. out by by Sunday. Normally I find out by Sunday, so basically tomorrow. Uh, but obviously, you know, if we end up not advertising anything, you know, I know, I know Teresa was wondering in the groups if there was going to be a podcast this week. Uh, but obviously if yeah, we don't advertise that. anything by like, if we don't advertise anything by like Monday, probably not going to be a podcast then. That's what I figured too. Cause I was looking for like, uh, uh, something that, uh, you know, either you would post or Jim would post, and I didn't see anything. And I thought, well, maybe there isn't anything going on. So I, I, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even ask either. Yeah. But uh, thank you, JB, uh, for joining us for the uh, extra hour tonight. Um, thank you to Lou uh, again, of course, for joining me tonight. Uh, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a great Easter, and we will see you guys next week. Yep, everybody have a good...